But Father, again, thank you uh, for the opportunity to worship with friends, to gather with my brothers and sisters in Chi Alpha, uh, and to seek you, draw close to you, draw near to you. And God, in this moment, I pray you prepare our hearts to receive your word, uh, that your word would implant in our hearts and grow and bear a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in us as you shape and mold us to be the men and women of God you desire for us to be. Holy Spirit, help me to communicate well and speak only what you want spoken and nothing else. Jesus, be glorified. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I know many of you guys, and if I've not really met you or gotten to talk to you, I would like to. My name is Matt. My name is Matt Drain. Um, My wife and I are are directors of Chi Alpha Memphis here. We want to know you, want to get to know you better. For me personally, I really started following Jesus in high school. Some of you guys have a similar story. Maybe some of you guys met the Lord in college, or some of you guys, man, you were so little, you don't even really remember when you first started walking with the Lord. But for me, and it was high school. And I, I remember it was April of my freshman year. Now, my parents took me and my brother to church growing up. I was familiar with church, familiar with Sunday school, familiar with Bible stories, those kind of things. When I tell you the difference God made in my life, right, that one Wednesday night in April, my freshman year of high school, and my biology lab partner said, hey, you want to come to youth group with me? And I said, sure. Uh, and, and I went to this church that was down the street. I'd never been there before. I could not tell you what the youth pastor preached on. All I know is I had an encounter with God, right? And Jesus changed my life, right? So I'd, I'd heard about Jesus. Sure, sure, I was familiar with God, but I began to really follow Jesus in that moment. It became real for me in that moment. Some of you guys have experienced that. Some of you guys have had that life-changing encounter with Jesus where it totally changed the trajectory of your life. Some of you guys maybe aren't there yet, uh, and maybe tonight is your night where God wants to change the direction of your life, take you from darkness to light, right? Take you from destruction to life, right? Take you from hopelessness to a place of hope and life and all that he has for you. Man, maybe that's you tonight. For me, man, it was in high school. I really got serious about following the Lord. I wanted to know Jesus, uh, and he totally transformed my life. He took my brokenness, my insecurity, my sin, my shame, and he exchanged all of that for his love, his mercy, his grace, his peace, his joy. And those things began to define my life more and more and more. And so, man, I, I was serious about the Lord. I mean, I, I love Jesus. I was excited about it. I had friends coming to Christ as well. It was an exciting time. It was time for me to come to college, right? And I was going to go to the University of Tennessee at Knoxville. I mean, I, I applied. I got in. Uh, I got my room set up. Uh, and no one I knew was going to UT. Like, no one I was tight with anyway. So I just said, give me a random roommate because I don't know, none of my friends are going, right? But I did pray, God, would you please give me a Christian roommate, right? This is what I wanted. Like, God, man, man, I, I'm really trying to grow for you. I'm trying to, trying to be serious about you. Would you give me, man, uh, another guy to room with there in the dorm? And, and we can both be believers, and I thought that'd be a beneficial thing. It'd be really helpful to have a Christian roommate, and that's what I prayed for. God, would you give me a Christian roommate? That's not what happened, right? So I, I roomed with, with a guy named Justin Underwood. He was a fantastic guy, but man, he was not following Jesus, right? He was not about that. He came to college with other things in mind. Uh, the, the, the year before I was a freshman in college, uh, UT Knoxville had been named the number one party school in the nation by U.S. News and World Report, right? This, this was a party campus, alcohol problem, sex problem, uh, partying problem, uh, rampant. And, and my roommate, Justin, man, he was all about it. He's like, let's go, jump in with both feet. That, that's, that's what he was there for. Studies, you know, were somewhere in there. Uh, but, but this guy was not, he, he was not all about following Jesus. And I was like, man, God, this is not really what I prayed for, though, right? This is not, not what I was hoping for. Uh, and, and Justin's a great guy. We got along. Uh, and over the course of that freshman year, though, we were able to have some deep conversations, right? You know how it is. You got a roommate. You're in the room. Sometimes you stay up talking. You guys are like, my roommate 
never ever even speaks to me. I feel for you, right? That, that was not that was not my my situation. Man, me and Justin would talk. We talk about life, and we would. We talk about God. We talk about faith. We talk about those kind of things. Man, he also had guys uh, that would reach out to him, uh, and, and he got involved in a small group Bible study, very similar to the life groups that we do throughout the week here in Kyle. Other guys sharing Christ with him, and over the course of that first year of college, man, Justin came to Christ, and he gave his heart to Jesus. God totally transformed uh, his life, and then now, however many years later, man, he, he's still going for God. He's still living for Jesus. Um, and has a family of his own now, and now, looking back on that, I realized uh, that, that my perspective was wrong, right? I wanted a Christian roommate because that would have been more convenient for me, right? But God had another perspective in mind, right? He saw an opportunity to advance his kingdom. He saw an opportunity to welcome another son into the family of God that was far away from him. And whose perspective was better in that moment, right? I wanted what was best for me. I had a different perspective, uh, but God had another perspective, a better perspective, another plan. And, you know, we all need that higher perspective sometimes because we're too close to our own lives to see them clearly. I'm going to say that again. We all need a higher perspective, a better perspective, because you and I are too close to our own lives to see them clearly, to see what's really best. Over the summer, images began to arrive online from the James Webb Space Telescope. You maybe saw them in your feed, on your social media, just absolutely incredible, amazing images of space uh, and the stars and, and stuff that, that we'd seen fuzzy before and just brilliant detail like we'd never experienced it before. And so again, so some of you guys, you see these in your feed, just these space pictures that started popping up over the summer. Like, I didn't know much more about it than that, but it looked cool. I hit like and then kept moving on. Um, <laughs> The James Webb Telescope allowed us to see our universe in a detail that we'd never ever seen it before, right? We'd never seen this level of detail on some of these astral bodies and some of these space systems and some of these stars and exoplanets. We've never been able to see these things before, uh, and, and it's incredible, right? So why is the James Webb able to see so much clearly than every other telescope we have? Did anybody ever grow up with a telescope like in the house, like had a, had a dad, mom that yeah, liked to look at the telescope? Um, why the James Webb is able to say, see things that that telescope is not, or, or even the Hubble telescope, which is the big telescope we've had for the last several decades, is not able to see, is because it is much more powerful and it has a much higher, farther vantage point. So there's a slide. We've got some nerdy slides coming up. So this is an example of scale. The Hubble telescope mirror there is that size, a little bit taller than, than an adult human being, right? And this is the James Webb's primary mirror that it uses to absorb infrared light uh, and translates that into images, help us see the universe. Again, much, much larger in scale. Uh, it can see a lot more, absorb a lot more information. It's also a, a much farther distance from the Earth. You know, the Hubble orbits the Earth like a, a satellite, right? And it's taking pictures of space, really cool images. The James Webb, though, that they launched, they launched at the end of last year. So it launched in December uh, of, of, of last year, 2021. And in the summer, we just started getting images back from it. Uh, and they're incredible. Uh, they launched it out into space and it unfolded in space like a sail. It's really cool. But it, it's almost a million miles from Earth, 930,000 miles from Earth. It doesn't orbit the Earth. It orbits the sun like the Earth does. And it's able to get just amazing images. Just a couple of them real quick. And again, some of you guys saw these on your timelines. Um, and this is a galaxy cluster that not, it may be too bright in here to really see the difference. But on the left is Hubble's image of it. On the right is James Webb aiming at the same spot of sky. So again, just the density of stars and galaxies that you can see. Everything you see that has like points coming off of it, that's a star. Everything else is a whole galaxy 
And that, that's what James Webb's able to see there. The next one, uh, you've got what's called the Southern Ring Nebula. On the left, we've seen it before, but it looked kind of fuzzy. Uh, with the James Webb, again, incredible amounts of detail with this new perspective. We're able to see it, again, a more powerful perspective, a higher perspective. We can see it in more detail. Last image, this, this one is just stunning to me. It's called the Carina Nebula. Again, we've seen it before, but then it's like we're seeing it now with 10 times, 10 times the detail we've ever, ever seen it previously. So uh, the reason, again, that James Webb's able to take these better pictures is it's because it's got a better vantage point. Right, and it is way more powerful. So because of its higher perspective, James Webb is able to show us things about our universe that we've never even seen before. Uh, we're able to understand the universe in a way we've never been able to understand it before. Scientists are able to see things maybe they've theorized but never, never had proof of before, things about exoplanets and, and the way that, that gravity can bend light and all those kind of things that now that we can see the images of it, it's proven some of these things. It's helping us to learn about our universe, and that's really cool. He said, Matt, this feels like science class. Uh, I'm not, okay, enough of that. We're going to move on. But the reason, reason I brought this up uh, is because of its higher perspective. Man, that telescope is able to show us things that are true about our universe that you could never see if you were just to go stand outside and look at the sky. Right? It's dark, right? The sun's gone down. It's nighttime. I could go outside, and I could look up at the sky, and with all the lights and stuff of campus, I'd probably see a star, right? Maybe like five stars. Right? If you go out into the country, some of you guys are from the country. Where's my country folks at? Some are from the country, and you can go stand outside on your porch, and you see a bunch of stars, right? But because of its higher perspective and its greater power, man, the James Webb's able to see countless galaxies, right, with its, with its same view. Because it's a different perspective. It's a higher perspective. Perspective is important, right? And if you've not guessed it, the, the theme for this series is that one word, perspective. And you're going to hear perspective again and again and again. Perspective is important, and the same is true of our own lives. Perspective is important in our own lives. There are things we do not fully know and understand about ourselves, about our own lives, because we don't have the right perspective. You say, man, no one knows me more than me. but not true. Not true. There's people that know you better than you know yourself. You have some of them in your life. You probably got a friend that knows you better than you do. Your mama knows things about you better than you do. You'll have a spouse someday that's probably going to know you better than you do. And because they know you so well, they're going to know exactly why. Hey, this situation is really upsetting you. Well, I know why that's upsetting you. It's because, man, this in your past or this thing about your personality, and they'll be Oh, it's a light bulb moment for you. I didn't even realize that, but they knew because they, they had a different perspective. In a lot of ways, man, they, they know you better than you know yourself. Right? And so a lot of times we don't have the right perspective on our own lives to really understand them well. We're too close to it. Perspective is important. And so we each have these blind spots, these shortcomings or immaturities in our personality and our character that we don't fully realize because we're too close to it. But a loved one, a family member, even a good counselor could come along and say, man, I mean, I'm able to see these things in your personality. Or I'm able to see these things. And it's just, whoa. Right? Maybe you step out of a good therapy session and your mind's blown. Like, I didn't even realize it about myself. My whole life is coming into focus in a way I'd never thought of before. Um, and, and you have that light bulb moment like, wow, how did I not see these things about my own self? I've been with my own self for 18, 19, 20, 21 years. How did I not see these things? Man, it's because we're too close to it. Right? It's because we're too close to it because we don't have the right perspective. We're all too close to our own lives to have a good perspective on everything that's going on in our minds and in our hearts and our motives, and our motivations, and our emotions. Man, our emotions, certainly. And sometimes, who knows what's going on in our emotions? They don't even make sense. One day I'm happy. One day I'm sad. There's no rhyme or reason to it. We're too close to it. Someone said amen. That's good. That's good. Own it. Own it. That's right. 
This is the same reason uh, in your English class. Some of you guys are taking English this semester. You definitely took English in high school. This is the reason in your English class, when you would write an essay or a paragraph or, or something, before you turn it into the teacher, your teacher would have you pass it to your neighbor to do what? Proofread it, right? And so the teacher says, I don't want to see it with the grammar mistakes and the spelling mistakes, so go ahead and hand it to your buddy, your proofreader. Let them read it. And, and so you pass the paper to the buddy, and they give you their paper, and you go through it with your red colored pencil or your red marker, whatever you had. Oh, and you'd see, oh, you misspelled suspicious, and I'll circle that. Oh, the subject and verb don't agree in this, this paragraph too here. Uh, and, and you put, put a note about that. Why is your buddy able to see all these real simple mistakes you made on a paper maybe you spent hours on? Why is it so easy for them to catch it in a couple of minutes? Maybe you spent hours with this thing and you didn't see it. It's because you're too close to it. Right? When you try to proofread it, you just see what you meant to say. Right? You don't see what it actually says. You see what you meant to say. We live our lives that way. I know what I meant. I know what I meant to do. But that's not reality. Reality is when the proofreader comes through, it's, oh, I found an error here. I found a shortcoming here. This mess up. It's good for us. Right? It makes us better. But they're not mad at us. They're improving us. But we're too close to our own lives right? to, to have the proper perspective to see what's wrong. Right? And all of us need proofreading. All of us make mistakes. When I was reviewing my notes before stepping up here, I caught a couple spelling mistakes, right? When ja Jackie was in grad school, she'd have me proofread her papers. Jackie's a, a brilliant writer, right? But there'd be little spelling stuff, grammar stuff, and it helps to have another set of eyes on it. It helps to have another perspective on it because we don't see reality. We see what we want to see. And we need that other perspective to see how things really are. So perspective is incredibly important and we need the right perspective to know ourselves and really be able to navigate our lives and who has a greater perspective on your life than the God who made you who nobody nobody who has a greater perspective than the God who designed every part of your mind and personality and will and emotions who knows every single detail every single cell what uh, Jalen and Vernice had their cell biology class. God knows every single one of your cells, the ins and outs and the ribosomes and the nucleus. He knows it all. He knows every detail about you. Who has a better perspective on your life than God? Nobody. Nobody. The God who designed you, the God that made you, the God that knows what every day of your life is going to be like and has a plan, has a purpose for you. That's the one I want to get the perspective from, right? Psalm 139 says this. Psalm 139, starting in verse 13, the psalmist says this. Again, talking about how God made us. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. God, you made me. Uh, before I was even born, God, you were at work making me the person you wanted me to be. Continuing on in verse 15, you watched me as I was formed in utter seclusion. I was woven together in the dark of the womb, and you saw me before I was even born. Get this, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had come to pass. Talk about perspective. God saw every single moment of your life before the first one came to pass. Before you were born, before you first, wah, right? Before any of that, before your first day of kindergarten, right before your first crush, for your first day on campus, God saw your entire life. He saw your wedding day. He saw the birth of your first child. He saw your grandkids. He saw you in the nursing home. He saw all of that. All of that is recorded in his book before the first moment came to pass. That's what the Bible says. That's perspective. 
If I, want to, if I want perspective on my own life, I want to know the one who knows my entire life. He has a plan and a purpose for it. Amen? That's the perspective that I want. God has a perspective on your life and on this world that no one else has and no one else can have. So we need to go to His Word for guidance and direction and purpose and meaning. And it would be foolish to go anywhere else. Right, then the God who created us and created this whole universe, this beautiful, amazing universe, man, we need to go to Him for the right perspective on our own life. When we need to make a decision, when we've got a confusing situation, when there's something in our soul, soul, what's wrong? Man, why are you downcast within me? I'm depressed, I'm down, I don't understand my own emotions. Man, I want to go to God's perspective on that. Uh, my, my friend may have a great perspective, and thank God for friends, but, but in the end, man, I need to go to God's Word. Man, I want to know what the Lord has to say about it. So this series that we're kicking off tonight and it's going to take us through the rest of the semester is simply called Perspective. And it's all about this idea that the Lord has the ultimate perspective on your life, right? And it's that perspective that we need to understand ourselves, to understand this world and understand how he wants us to live in it. Amen. And so uh, as we go through this series, man, we're going to hit a variety of different uh, topics. Um, and in the same way that the James Webb Telescope can see the universe better than you can, if you just go stand outside, is because it is more powerful and has a higher perspective. In the same way, the Lord, as the creator of the universe, is more powerful and has a higher perspective than anyone. And so the prophet Isaiah wrote this in Isaiah chapter 55. And this is going to be the main focus verse the anchor verse for the whole series, right? Uh, this is going to be our main verse. We'll come back to it again and again. This is Isaiah chapter 55. I mean, those of you guys maybe that, that, that have read the Bible before, grew up in church, maybe heard this verse before. Isaiah 55, we're going to start in verse 9. And the prophet Isaiah, uh, speaking on behalf of God, says this, For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, right? God says, you're, the way you think about things is not the same way I think about things. The way you do things, that's not how I do things. His ways are higher. His ways are better, because he's God and I'm not God. That's something real important to get out the gate from the start. I'm not God. He is. So whatever he thinks about things is higher than how I think about it, and more true, right? More accurate, more based in reality than whenever my fuzzy ideas are about it, right? He's got a better perspective. His thoughts are higher and better. His ways are higher and better. My ways, my ways are corrupted with selfishness and pride and my own motives and me trying to get what I want out of a situation. His ways are perfect. They're not corrupted. It's for our good always. It's because He loves us. Man, we sang about it. He's faithful to His Word. He's going to keep His promises. He loves each and every one of you. Uh, and He's got your best purposes in mind. His ways are better. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And He goes on to say this in verse 10. The rain and snow come down from the heavens. Man, I wish the snow was starting to come down. It's been too hot in Memphis. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. In the same way, it's the same way with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So some of you guys have heard that second verse, but maybe not heard it connected to the first verse. You've heard God's Word is going to go forth and accomplish everything He wants it to. You guys familiar with that? But maybe not seen it tied. This is the same passage. The two are connected. God says, because my ways are higher 
and my thoughts are higher, that's why my word is powerful and fruitful and will accomplish because I've got a perspective like no one else has. Right? So because God has this higher perspective, because his ways are higher, that's why his word is fruitful and prosperous. Because his thoughts and ways are higher, he has the true and right perspective on our lives and on this vast universe he's made. So again, we want to look at what his word has to say about all these things. Because we can know that what he says about things is always going to be true. It's always going to be eternal. The things he says are going to be powerful and they're going to be fruitful. Like he says, it's going to prosper wherever he sends it. His word is going to prosper. His word is going to prosper on the inside of you as you read it, you study it, you listen to it, you internalize it, right? That word's going to grow and prosper inside of you. It's going to shape your understanding. It's going to help you to know the Lord better, to know his heart, to know his ways better. Uh, and it's going to prosper you as it shapes you into the person God wants you to be. Amen? And so throughout this series, we're going to look at God's perspective on a whole lot of different topics. We're going to talk about God's perspective on popularity, on relationships, on sex, on money, on worship, on suffering and pain and difficulty, on morality and guidance and direction. We're going to look at God's perspective on all these different things in the weeks to come as we study this throughout the semester. You'll get to hear from a variety of different folks coming to share with you. Um, but tonight we're going to kick things off with a brief dip into the idea of understanding the Lord's perspective on our identity our identity, right? What is God's perspective on our identity? Identity. Our culture uses a variety of different ways to categorize people, to size people up. Some of them are really stupid, right? But our culture uses a lot of different ways to size you up, to put you in a category, to put you in a box, to say you're like this, to attach that label to you, and that's just how you are, right? And lots of different ways that our culture uh, we'll do that. Again, many of them are very stupid. But over time, these things can become a prison for us, right? That these labels, these identities that the world categorizes, the culture categorizes with, become a prison that we get stuck in, that we cannot grow out of, we cannot escape, because we come to believe the lie that, well, this is just who I am, right? Well, that's, how, that's what my parents said. That's what my friends said. They said, Matt, you're this, this, and this. And I came to believe it, and that's just who I am. When that's not who you are, right? God's got a different perspective on your identity, but that identity you've taken on from the world is now a prison. It's a trap you're stuck in. God wants you to be free from, right? Jesus wants to set you free from. The culture's got a variety of ways to attempt to tie your identity, who you are, to things like your skin color, or your economic status, or your sexual attractions, Right? He wants to define you by all these different things. The culture wants to define you or categorize you or label you or say, that's who you are. That's your identity. When those things are not your identity. Right? Those are just things about you, but that's not your core identity. Right? You cannot be simplified in that way. And two of the big ones that really seem to be the ways the culture uses to size people up, to categorize them, uh, and the ways, again, we end up defining ourselves is by our successes and by our failures. Right? And that's such a trap. That's such a trap. When we get caught in the trap of wanting to define ourselves by our successes, man, what have we achieved? Man, what can we put on the resume? Man, what, what, what can we boast about? I mean, I, I've done this, and I've succeeded here, and I've achieved this. I mean, I was successful here. And, and we want to make that our, our whole identity, right? Um, and, and so when we make success and achievement our whole identity, man, what, what, what happens the day that we get laid off? What happens the day that we flunk the test? Right? If our whole identity was tied up in, I'm an achiever, I'm successful, now what about when we don't win the race? 
You know, and, and our whole identity comes crashing down or we're broken and depressed. And God says, that was never your identity. It's good to achieve. It feels good to succeed. We want to succeed, but that can't be who we are. We're not our successes. We're not our best days. But on the other hand, we're also not our worst days. We're not our failures. But man, it feels like that. Man, when you blow it, when you make a big mistake, it feels like that's your whole identity. Like that's a label you have to wear. Like that's a sign uh, hanging around your neck. But that's something people put on you is, oh, that's Matt. Man, he really blew it. And let me tell you about a time he messed up so bad. Blah, 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 that y'all don't even know, right? Like they, 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 our failures come to define us. Whether, whether or not someone else says it about us, we, we begin to think of ourselves that way. Like, man, man if, you, if you really knew me, man, if you really knew the ways I've blown it, man, I've messed up so bad. God can never use me again, or I can never have success in this area of my life, or I can never have happiness or peace in this area because I've blown it, because I've failed, because I've messed up. Well, man, the truth of God's word is you are not your best days and you are not your worst days. You are not your successes. You are not your failures. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. As a follower of Christ, man, the moment... You put your trust in Jesus to save you. Your identity became something else entirely, right? Your identity as a follower of Christ is not defined by success or failure. It's not your best day. It's not your worst day. Your identity first and foremost and forevermore is that you are a child of God. You belong to Jesus, period, full stop. When you put your trust in Jesus and what he did to save you, he adopts you into the family of God. And now you're a daughter of God. You're a son of God, and that is your core identity, and it always will be. Ten years from now, a hundred years from now, a hundred thousand years from now, ten million years from now, child of God is your eternal identity. Not your failures, not your mistakes, not even your greatest successes that you're most proud about. That's your, not your identity. Your identity is that you belong to Jesus. You're a son of God, a daughter of God, and you always will be because nothing in the whole broad universe can separate you from his love in Christ Jesus. We've been studying the Gospel of John in our life groups. If you guys haven't connected with the life group, please do that. Please do that. And then connect with one. We've been studying the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 1, uh, verse 12, uh, and John writes this about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. And he says, But all who believed him, Jesus, and accepted him, Jesus, he gave right to become children of God. Right? Jesus came into the world. God sent his son Jesus into the world to do for us what we can never, ever do for ourselves. Each and every one of us man, have, have been separated from God man, by, our own, uh, by, by our own state of sin, by our own rebellion against God. Man, times that we're prideful, times that we're selfish, times that we do things that hurt ourselves, hurt other people, rebel against God, what the Bible calls sin. Each and every one of us, oh, watch it. Each and every one of us, man, that, that's true of our, our lives, man, that's our state. And those things separate us from a God that loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. But the good news of the gospel is God loved you too much to leave you separated from him. Right? He was not cool with that. He was not okay with that. So he sent his son Jesus to live the life we should have lived but couldn't, right, because of our sin. He lived that perfect life. Uh, and then he took our place on the cross. He died to death. I deserve to die, but didn't have to because of his mercy. Man, he died on the cross. And as he hung there on a cross 2,000 years ago, God worked the greatest miracle in all of history where he laid all the punishment, all the wrath that we deserve for everything we've ever done wrong in our whole life. And he laid that on his son Jesus instead. Jesus took our punishment in our place. So instead of receiving the wrath of God, we could receive grace and mercy and forgiveness from God when we put our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Jesus died. 
right? He died. And he took all that sin away and he died. The good news again is he didn't stay dead, right? Three days later, he rose from the dead, appearing to hundreds of eyewitnesses, proving he was who he says he was, man, the son of God, the Messiah, the savior of the world. And you can put your trust in him uh, and you can have your sins forgiven. You can be made right with God tonight. You can have a fresh start, a whole new lease on life tonight. When you put your trust in him, your whole identity transforms. And as John says, he gives you the right to become a child of God in that moment. When you believe him, say, Jesus, I want to trust in you. And what you did for me, rather than trying to trust in my own ability to be good enough for God to accept me. Because I I can never be good enough, right? But Jesus, man, you you love me and you made a way for me to be adopted into the family of God. I'm trusting in that. And in that moment, man, you're adopted instantaneously. Your your whole identity is transformed. You're a daughter of the king. You're a son of the king of the universe. And you will be forever. And that is your identity more than anything this world can put on you. More than any label this culture can put on you, it'll just kind of fall right off. Like you ever put a name tag on when you're sweaty or your clothes are wet? It's not, it doesn't stick. Uh, that's gonna, any kind of label the culture wants to classify you with or put you in a box or that would have been a prison to you, man, it's just going to slide right off because that's not who you are. Yeah. Say, no, man, I'm a child of God. Yeah. I belong to Jesus and end of the day, end of the forever, that's all that matters, right? And, and nothing else matters. Not my biggest successes, not my most shameful failures. Those things don't define me. Now, all those failures are forgiven by Jesus under the blood, forgotten, and we don't have to live under that condemnation and weight of shame uh, uh, about those that we can walk in freedom and we can embrace that identity that God has for us. When you put your trust in Jesus, you're no longer defined uh, by all the ways the, the world would try to label you. That's the world's perspective. And honestly, that may be some of y'all's perspective of yourselves. The way you look at yourself, if you're being honest, is as you think about, man, your biggest mistakes, your biggest failures, and you can't quite see yourself through any other lens. Man, Jesus wants to give you freedom from that tonight, to be able to see yourself the way he sees you, as a beloved child of God. God's perspective is better. God's perspective is higher. And he calls you a son. He calls you a daughter. And nothing in this world can ever change that. God sees you exactly as you truly are, and He loves you more than you can ever imagine. God sees you how you really are, right? Um, Sometimes we put up walls, we put up a mask, we put out a version of ourselves that we think other people would like better. Well, God sees right past that to who we really are inside, and He loves us more than anybody, which is amazing, right? There's a Chris Tomlin song that says, you see the depths of my heart, and you love me the same. And the depths of my heart are scary, That's where the ugly stuff is, y'all. That's where the gross stuff is. The stuff I don't want y'all to see, right? Because you might think less of me. We've all got those thoughts. It's like, man, if they really knew this about me, they wouldn't like me. If they knew who I really was, uh, well, God knows all of that, and he still loves you like crazy, right? That's the perspective we need in our own lives, right? The God who sees who we really are, he sees us at our best and our worst, and he still loves us more than any other being in the universe. Not only that, God has the perspective of your future to be able to see the person you're going to become, the person he's going to help you grow into, right? So he doesn't just see you where you are now. He loves you where you're at now, but he's got the perspective to see the woman or the man that he's going to make you into, that he's going to see you grow into. I mean, I want to, I want to know his perspective on my life. I want to know the person he wants me to grow into. I don't want to be stagnant and stale and just kind of in a stuck holding pattern. I mean, I want to grow and mature in Christ and become the man he wants me to be, right? Y'all want to become the person that God sees that you can be. He sees that potential in you. He sees what you're going to become, and he's going to help you to get there. So what does this mean for us? 
right? How do we see ourselves from God's perspective? Well, it's going to begin in prayer. It's going to begin in prayer saying, God, would you help me to see myself how you see me? Would you help me to just discard all the lies of the culture, the lies of the enemy that have piled up over the last 18, 20, 22, 30, 40 years? God, would you help me to, to, to just expose the lies of the enemy and see myself how you see me to, from your higher, better perspective? Help me to see myself and to see this world the way that you do, God. And also, man, let's encourage each other in that truth. Your words are powerful, right? What you say to your friend, your brother, your sister, uh, I mean, call out the truth in them, biblical truth. Say, hey, you're a child of God, Jada, right? You're a child of God, Akiko. You're a child of God, Spooky. Right, and call that out with your friends, man. Let them know, man. Man, you belong to Jesus. God loves you, and literally nothing could ever change that forever and ever and ever. Right? And, and, and speak that truth over your friends. Like, help each other to see that. Help shake the, the, the shackles of, of the, the cultural identity off of each other and speak God's truth over each other's lives. I would love for us to just, man, take a moment here uh, as we wrap up to respond to that in prayer. Say, God, help me. God, help me to see myself the way that you see me. Amen? God, help me to have your perspective on my life, starting with my identity, who I am. Help me to have your perspective on my life because your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. God, change my perspective. I also want to pray, God, help us to embrace our identity as children of God. You you may say, Matt, man, I've never really put my trust in Jesus in that way like you described. Uh, I've never asked God to forgive my sins, never put my trust in Jesus when he did on the cross to save me. I want to encourage you, you can do that tonight. And you can do that tonight, and God can change the whole direction of your life, right? Take you from a place of depression and destruction to a place of life and hope, just like that. When you put your trust in Him, all your sins are forgiven. You're made right with God. You've got an eternal home in heaven with Him, and your identity is transformed. Man, you're His son. You're His daughter now. Uh, and, and nothing this world says about you can ever stick, because it's not true. Um, that can be you tonight. If you've never prayed to do that, man, that can be you tonight. Would you guys bow your heads? And uh, man, let's just seek the Lord together. God, you're good. And your mercy endures forever. God, thank you for your mercy and your kindness to us. God, thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. That your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That your words are truer than our words. And the God, that you have a perspective on our life that's real and true, and we can go to it and learn from you. God, I do pray for every student here tonight uh, that you would open up the eyes of their understanding to really see themselves how you see them through those eyes of love and acceptance. God, I pray, Lord, that if they're carrying around the weights of, of any of the culture's identity labels, and that's become a bondage to them, that's become a prison to them that they can't quite get out of, can't grow out of, can't escape. God, where they believe just the lies of the culture, the lies of the enemy. God, would you bring absolute freedom to that in the name of Jesus? They would see themselves as you see them and all those false identity labels would just slip away. For the one that's just just plagued by, by a past failure or mistake and just can't quite shake it, God, would you come and step in and take away that shame Take away that pain, that guilt, and let them know that's not what you see when you look at them. You don't see their worst day. You see your beloved child whom you love, who Jesus died for, who you want to be with forever. God, I thank you that you see the depths of our hearts, even the ugly parts, and you love us so, so much. Thank you for giving your son Jesus for us.
Love you, Lord.